our first Global Outreach Sunday School Series event, and uh, we're lucky to have Carla Cole here, who's our missionary partner in Costa Rica. I don't know how long it's been, but it's been a long time. Yeah, um, so I'll just let Carla Okay. Um, good morning. Oh, it's so much fun to be here again after so many years. Um, yeah, I get to live in working Costa Rica. Where these guys hang out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the sloth was just chosen as one of the national symbols this year. So, um, and this guy was in Calisa National Park and he was really showing off for us. Um, Meg asked me uh, to start by sharing um, a story some of you may have heard, but uh, about how I got to Costa Rica. Um, so, when I was a, a seminary student a long time ago at Union Seminary, the other one in New York City. Um, I well, let me take a step back. I uh, when I graduated from college, I worked for a local social justice organization in my hometown of Colorado Springs, Colorado, and the sanctuary movement was just starting. So, uh, folks were coming from El Salvador and Guatemala with these horrific stories of massacres by the army, as they were fleeing for their lives. So I got to New York City and I was working with Central American refugees um, and I thought, okay, I want to learn more about Central America if I'm going to be working with Central American refugees in the U.S., which is what I thought I was going to be doing. Um, I really need to go to Central America to learn from Central Americans how they understand God to be present with them in their struggles for peace with justice. So Union offered me the chance to um, spend some time at what was then the Latin American Biblical Seminary. And I had been a social science um, student in college, so I had all the, you know, the critique of mission, you know, missionaries had done all these horrible things and you know, were destroying local cultures and, and um, the time for missionaries was over. Um, so I went to Costa Rica to learn from Central Americans and Latin Americans. And toward the end of my time, um, the academic dean, who was a Methodist from Peru, a Quechua Methodist named Salo Trinidad, he called me to his office and he sat me down and he said, Carla, the gringos are going to keep coming. We know we can't stop them. <laughs> but he said, what we want as Latin American church leaders is to be able to choose the people who come and work with us. And we want and need people like you. It's like, okay, is this God talking? <laughs> it really turned my whole understanding of my own vocation on its head. And I, I had to think about, okay, there's lots of things that missionaries pro probably should not be doing any longer, but what, what were the appropriate tasks um, still? So the, the two tasks that I worked on the last few decades have been building bridges between Christian communities in Central America and in, in the United States and training leadership. Um, it's not so true now, but when I first went to, to Central America, the, the evangelical churches were growing very rapidly. And what are we Presbyterians really good at? Theological education. Uh, so it, it made sense to work in theological so that's how I got to Costa Rica. So now um, I, I went back to work in 
in Central America. I went to work in Nicaragua. I was there from 1986 to 1994. Then um, Princeton paid me to spend six years thinking about what our denomination had done in Central America during, during the 1980s, for which I'm very grateful to Princeton. And then I returned uh, to join the faculty of the Latin American Biblical University in 2000. They asked me to go to Guatemala, uh, where I met Bob and Jim. Um, and I was there from 2000 to 2013. And in 2013, I moved to the main campus in San Jose, Costa Rica. So there's our campus um, on the eastern edge of San Jose. It's uh, it's slowly coming back to life after the pandemic. There haven't been a whole lot of people around. Um, and we are mainly an online community now. Um, you can see the numbers there, 171 students, our student body. The first uh, term of the pandemic, our student body increased by 50%. People were in lockdown and had some time and you know, the old answers and the old way of doing church just wasn't working anymore. So people came looking for new answers. And we were very encouraged to think that people turned to theological education for some new answers. Um, we are just finishing a, a year of celebration of our anniversary, 100 years of providing theological education in Latin America. Um, we were started by an interdenominational faith mission. Uh, interdenominational in the sense of people from different denominations coming together, not, not denominations coming together. That um, started in 1921 in Costa Rica. And um, it was started as a women's Bible training school. Um, and there were eight women students uh, from El El Salvador and Costa Rica, so from the beginning it was an international school. Um, the school was started by um, the Strackens, mainly Su Susanna Strachan. Um, they were, um, he was Presbyterian, she was Methodist, they were Scott, he was Scottish, she was Irish, and they had worked in Argentina for many years and, and had come to the conclusion that there needed to be a new kind of mission, a mission based in, in Latin America, one that would support the existing churches and, and provide people with, with skills. So that's what they did. It was, initially, it was called the Latin American Evangelization Campaign, renamed the Latin American Mission in 1939. In case you're wondering where Central America is, <laughs> the little teeny isthmus of land um, that joins um, North America with South America. Little teeny, five little teeny countries. Um, and here's a, a map that shows where Costa Rica is. We're there um, south of Nicaragua and north of Panama. Um, it, it takes about five hours to drive from coast to coast, so you a sense of how small the country is, just over six million people. But the Strakens were thinking, okay, we want some place that's strategic, that would be easy for people from different places in Latin America to get to, but also have good connections with 
with North America. Um, they loved the climate. And uh, <laughs> Costa Rica, even then, in the 1920s, was more stable politically than its neighbors. Okay, we're going to set up in Costa Rica. So they did. Um, the Latin American Evangelization Campaign um, was, was not quite fundamentalist, but moving that direction, uh, engaged in, in, in um, aggressive evangelization. So they did these national campaigns on a, um, starting in Guatemala in 1921. And they brought together some, really some impressive interdenominational work that early on, bringing missionaries and, and local Christian leaders together to run these campaigns. Um, and they borrowed from lots of uh, missions and denominations. And they were focused on, we don't want to start churches. We want to support the churches that already exist. Well, to do that, I thought, okay, we really need to be training Latin Americans uh, for mission to reach out to Latin Americans. And they saw women as key to evangelizing the country. However, in 1924, uh, eight Nicaraguan men showed up and wanted to study. So they decided to let them in. So, um, but from that time, it's been co-educational, but it's, this picture shows a little bit what happened when you went from an all-women's school to the Bible school. That's 1922. This is 1937. So you, you uh, women became a minority among the student body, unfortunately. So to talk a little bit about how this institution has evolved, um, came the Bible Institute of Costa Rica, open to men, men as well as women, and they um, began drawing students from the Southern Cone in, in 1926, so it's, it's had this continent-wide reach for a very long time. Um, became a seminary in, in 1941, that meant that people had to have a high school degree to be able to get in, uh, so the academic level is, is moving up. Um, in 1963, began to offer university degrees, so they weren't accredited. Um, begins to open up to the sort of ecumenical world. Um, Jose Miguel Bonino was a Methodist theologian, one of the Protestant leaders of liberation theology. He came and gave, he was the only Protestant observer from Latin America who was president of Vatican II. So he came and gave this series of lectures at, at seminary. So that marks this opening up um, the seminary became autonomous in 1971 <coughs> from the mission, um, and there developed a lot of theological tensions between the seminary and the mission <coughs> as the seminary opened itself up more and more to the currents of new theological thinking that were sweeping the continent. Um, so the, from, from the 1970s, the institution has been very identified with Latin American liberation theology. Um, went through the process of uh, being accredited by the government of Costa Rica as a university. So we have been a university since 1997. Uh, and uh, that brings with it an incredible burden of bureaucracy. Um, Costa Rica, you may know, disbanded its army in 1948, but developed a very bureaucratic state, shall we say. So, um, um, but it's been good because our students have graduate with 
recognized university degrees. When we started as a university, we were decentralized. We had 14 different campuses around Latin America. In 2012, the government said, wait a minute, there's no provision in Costa Rica law for there to be campuses of a university outside of national territory. So overnight, we lost all of our, our campuses. That, that encouraged us to begin to, to work toward online education. So in March of 2020, when the government said, all universities shut down, no more in-person classes, everybody goes online, it's like, we were already online. So it was a, an easy transition for us. So this is what <laughs> this is how people come to class today. Our, our online portal. And these are faculty meetings. Um, we are doing fac faculty meetings um, once a month on campus now. So we are, but we have faculty who are no longer on campus. So we're we're uh, working on how to do hybrid meetings, and we're getting getting some new technology that will allow us to do hybrid courses. Um, we are currently in our registration period for next year. Our academic year runs from January to December. Um, we offer bachelor's degrees and associate degrees <coughs> in <coughs> biblical sciences and theological sciences. We also do two master's degrees with the <coughs> National University, one on, in theological studies and another in uh, social religious studies of gender and diversity. Some words about some of our students. Um, Mariela Nakishka is from Peru. She came to us seven, eight years ago. Um, somebody who, like many of our students, has sort of gone through lots of different evangelical churches and, and did, but didn't really have clear ideas or much self-confidence. She was so shy. Um, but she, she did... Uh, a bachelor's degree, and she did it. Tell Carol Ann about this. She was um, she wanted to develop a theological argument to support the use of medicinal plants in evangelical churches. Because medicinal plants are connected with indigenous healing practices. So a lot of evangelical preachers preach against the use of medicinal plants. And she said, "No, these are blessings from God." And and so that was her work in her bachelor's thesis. She went back to Peru, and she was asked by the Methodist Church to pastor a little congregation. Um, and, and, and she threw herself into it. It was really fun to listen to her. You know, I got there, and there wasn't a congregation. Nobody was coming to church, so she went door to door um, and gathered the kids. And she said, I found, I found a 14-year-old girl who was in a wheelchair who was never able to go to school parents sent her to school. And she asked, would you like to learn how to read? And, and the girl said, yes, yes. So that's one of the things she did. And, and uh, so she did that through the pandemic. And as the pandemic was ending, she came back to campus. She did all her coursework online for her distance degree in the pandemic from Peru. And she came back and wrote a theology of law um, for her uh, distance degree and graduated in February. And she's now pastoring another Methodist church in Peru. Um, 
Natalie Romero is also uh, from Peru. She also she actually came through the Methodist Church and has now been ordained as a pastor of the Methodist Church. She is working on a doctorate in Old Testament at Boston University. So we're looking forward to when Natalie can come back to Latin America. Um, Sergio is uh, from Colombia. He and his husband moved to Costa Rica several years ago. And uh, Sergio does a lot of work with organizations providing support for people living with HIV AIDS. Um, and she, uh, Anglican Society wanted to study theology. Um, the Anglican Church in Costa Rica has not been open to receiving his gifts for ministry. So he kept hitting one wall after another and he called me up and said, I'm going to stop studying theology. It's not going to. The church is never going to accept me. Wait a minute, you know, isn't, isn't theology helping you think about life and helping you in your work? Uh, why would you want to leave the university? And he said, you're right, I can't leave one of my safe spaces. So um, he continued, and he uh, is now in our licensing program. Um, and he was ordained uh, this year by the uh, Southeast Diocese of Mexico. That, that diocese Anglicans have this, you know, you'd be ordained in one diocese and, and work anywhere. So um, we are very happy that. that uh, and he, he's so funny. He just he fits into the Anglican priest mold so well. You know, he's wearing a clerical collar now. It's like okay. <laughs> um, so that's Sergio. Uh, we do a, a number of things. You know, as an educational institution, we we. Um, find other outlets for our, our theological work beyond classes. One of our students decided we needed a podcast. Mm -hmm. We have a podcast. Um, and I did one of the first ones. Um, we also have a journal that we publish twice a year. Uh, and I've been doing a lot of work on eschatology and times of climate change. So that's what I've been writing about. Um, we also do liturgies. Um, we were doing uh, online liturgies once a week during the pandemic. Uh, that got to be too much. So this year we started with um, monthly liturgies, and now now we're doing them in person and 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 recording certain pieces to share online. Um, so we are um, an institution that was asked by. The Green Seminary Initiative, which is a project of green faith. Uh, we were the only institution outside of North America that they invited to be part of their green seminary program. And it was a it was good for us because we had already decided that one of our foci is planetary life. Um, but the Green Seminary process gave us a structure and a way of thinking about all the different areas of our institutional life. Um, so I have the privilege of moderating our green team, and um, during the pandemic, uh, we participated in, in this um, Green Faith organizes activities prior to the COP uh, conference every year, and we couldn't march yet, so we, we did, everybody put up signs on their doors. And, and that's my husband, that's Javier, folks who have never met him. Um, and here I am showing off our 
Earthworms! Oh. Oh. <laughs> it looked like you were barbecuing. Yeah. <laughs> no, those are, those are tires. joined our, our team. Um, Jenny Bent is from Nicaragua and her husband Mark Hare. Um, I don't know if you ever met them in, in Haiti at some point. Um, Mark worked for many years in Haiti and they came to Costa Rica from the Dominican Republic. I knew Jenny as, a, as an adolescent in Nicaragua a long time ago. Um, and they are helping us. We, we're developing a community garden. We're trying to focus on what ecological sustainability can look like in an urban setting. Um, so that's a lot of what we're doing. Um, we still have, it's nice to have some people back on campus. It's never gonna be the way it was. And that's sad because it bringing people together from different countries. Uh, there was a lot of learning that happened in the student residence that didn't happen in the classroom. But um, we are working with the folks who are around um, we did a documentary about our history. Um, if you're interested, I can um, uh, figure out how to make a subtitled um, uh, version of it for you. Uh, gender justice is one of our, our uh, primary post time. We are one of the leading voices in the religious community in Costa Rica. Um, working toward inclusivity um, that, that brings a lot of attacks toward us, um, but it's something that we, we take very seriously. The woman on the left, your left, is, is Elizabeth Cook. She is our rector. Um, and the woman on the right is Charo Rosales, and she is the president of our board. This was the Women's March on March 8th of this year, and it says against every form of religious violence. So that's a bit about who we are. Um, teaching online has um, allowed us to do lots of things, bring people together from different contexts, um, including uh, this particular class had students from Germany. Um, so it's, it's opened up a lot of new avenues for us. So thank you for your support, and I'm looking forward to hearing your questions.